Welcome to the last episode of Holy Media in 2016. It's been quite a first year. So to wrap up this first season, I thought we'd explore the history of Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Every year, it seems a new controversy arises about the celebration of Christmas in the U.S., and everything seems to become a part of what's been called the War on Christmas. Even Starbucks cups. And yet, this isn't actually a new phenomenon. The struggle over the Christmas holiday isn't a post-1950s issue. Yes, there's nostalgia for an idealized holiday and a return to some older, purer celebration, but in reality, there isn't an original holiday. And your point is? Well, that Christmas has always been a struggle. That our understanding of Christmas isn't really Christmas at all. As Bruce David Forbes writes in his book, Christmas, A Candid History, we quote, Love the lights, the evergreen decorations, the music, and the food, the chance to get together with family and friends, and the special feeling of warmth that comes with the festivities. Yet all of these features have no necessary connection with a story of a baby Jesus in a manger. Instead, they are the predictable characteristics of midwinter festivities. End quote. So midwinter festivals, they actually occur around the time of the winter solstice, which was December 20th, and it's a time when the daylight hours begin to grow longer again in the northern hemisphere. And more often, these festivals are usually considered today to be pre-Christian or, quote, pagan celebrations. But when it's dark, cold, and lifeless outside... It's understandable that the human impulse to survive winter leads us to have grand feasts and celebrations. This is evidenced by various cultures incorporating festivals of light or life, such as the Persian celebration of Yalda, which welcomes winter with food, family, and warmth. But for this episode, let's look at the two festivals featured in Professor Forbes's book, Roman Saturnalia and the Northern European Midwinter Festival of Yule. Saturnalia was a Roman celebration and dedication to the god Saturn that took place in the month that we now call December. These celebrations included lots of feasting and drinking, pretty much our stereotypical ideas of a Roman bacchanalia. Romans decorated buildings with greenery and candles, and they lit bonfires, and possibly even exchanged gifts, according to Professor Forbes's research. He writes, quote, Saturnalia serves as the first example of a winter festival that existed prior to Christianity, and it fits many of our general expectations. Light from candles and fires, greenery, feasting, gifts, and social gatherings, all in mid-December. End quote. But what about Yule? Well, oddly enough, the term Yule has come to be equated with Christmas in the minds of many. However, it's a term that predates Christianity, as far as records can tell. And a lot of our knowledge about Yule is actually colored by Christian missionaries interacting with pre-Christian populations and the impressive puzzle piecing together of events that historians do. 
So what do we generally know about Northern European Yule celebrations? Animal sacrifice. So there is fresh meat. Think ham or turkey or pot roast or whatever your family eats for Christmas. There was ritual drinking or the, what I like to say, the jolly portion of the celebration. And fire. Remember that concept of a Yule log? Some sources even suggest that evergreen wreaths were hung at doors to ward against evil spirits with their prickly needles. I'm starting to think this all sounds very familiar, don't you? Okay, but what about Jesus? It's right there in the name. Christ, Mass. Well, let's look at the Bible. The birth of Jesus only appears in two of the four Gospels in the New Testament, and they don't even tell that much about the event. The nativity stories of Matthew and Luke combined from the common narrative we tell about Jesus' birth, but in the text, they're actually quite different. The Gospel of Matthew includes the Magi, or wise men, the guiding star, and escaped to Egypt to avoid Herod's wrath. The Gospel of Luke, on the other hand, includes the rejoicing of shepherds and angels appearing to them in the fields. In Luke, Mary is the one told about the coming birth of Jesus, whereas in Matthew, an angel appears to Joseph. Yet, this is all we know about Jesus' birth from the entirety of the New Testament. So what do we really learn from these stories? Jesus was born. His mother was Mary. And Joseph was wed to Mary. That's not a lot. And church records date the official celebration of Jesus' birth on December 25th only as recently as the 4th century. Before that, there was no date. There was no official celebration of Jesus' birthday. That may seem old, but it's really not for the Christian church. That's about three centuries of Christianity without a celebration for the birth of Jesus. Okay, but what does this history and biblical information have to do with how we celebrate Christmas now in the United States? By the way, isn't this a show about religion and media? Where's the media? Well, media doesn't just refer to what we see on our screens. Media can also be the material experience of the worlds we live in. So the Yule Log can be a cultural medium. But don't worry, we're about to talk about more typical media now. Literature, poetry, magazines, and advertising have really influenced how we celebrate Christmas in the U.S., and the development of Santa Claus is the perfect example. First, though, here are two fun facts about Christmas in the Western English-speaking world. One, Christmas wasn't always a big deal in England or the United States. It was even suppressed for years by the Puritans in the American colonies. Presbyterian Samuel Davies wrote in December 1758 that Christmas had become about, quote, sinning, sexuality, luxury, and various forms of extravagance, end quote. Or, as the famous minister Henry Ward Beecher said, quote, to me, Christmas is a foreign day, end quote. Bruce Forbes in his book even points out that public schools in Massachusetts met on Christmas Day until 1870. But... Dutch, German, and Scandinavian colonists did celebrate Christmas on occasion, and it's them we can particularly thank for keeping the tradition alive in the United States. Fact two. We can also thank Victorian-era England 
for reintroducing Christmas as a cultural holiday in the 1800s. The popularity of Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol and the popularizing of the Christmas tree by Queen Victoria and Prince Albert helped to revitalize the holiday and introduce new traditions. In particular, the power of the royal family being pictured with a Christmas tree crossed the ocean to the United States. American style magazines published the photo of the royal family with their decorated tree, and not long after, American families really embraced that tradition. But what about Santa? You said you were going to talk about Santa. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, the contemporary Santa Claus is loosely based off of St. Nicholas, a Catholic saint from a town in what is now Turkey. His feast day was celebrated on December 6th, and some legends about St. Nicholas include his kindness to children, which some argue laid the foundation for the tradition of gift-giving. And in the U.S.? Well, businessmen, writers, and ad men in New York are actually to be credited with helping to create the image we currently have of Santa Claus in the United States. Washington Irving, the author of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, also wrote a story in which St. Nicholas flew over trees in a horse-pulled carriage and delivered gifts to children through chimneys. Historian Charles Jones even wrote, quote, Without Washington Irving, there would be no Santa Claus. End quote. Another piece of writing that we can thank for greatly influencing the American idea of Santa Claus was the poem A Night Before Christmas. This poem popularized the idea of reindeer pulling Santa's sleigh, which could not be found in any European portrayals of St. Nicholas. A Night Before Christmas also introduced the delivery of gifts on Christmas Eve and depicted Santa as a small, magical, and friendly old man. So, as Bruce Forbes writes, the poem, quote, transformed Santa from the authority figure of a bishop into a non-judgmental, jolly gift giver, end quote. But it wasn't just stories that helped create the idea we have of Santa Claus in the United States. We can also think political cartoons. They had a hand in crafting the Santa American children know and love. Thomas Nast, a cartoonist for Harper's Weekly, drew Santa with the jolly face and wide waist we now know him to have. Nast redrew Santa each year in Harper's Magazine, reinforcing and adding characteristics to the jolly gift giver we know. And we can also thank Nast for the mythology about the North Pole and Santa's elven toy makers. Lastly, and most popularly, we can also credit the artist Haddon Sundblom, who designed the commercial image we know of Santa Claus for Coca-Cola. Sundblom drew the Santa advertisements for Coca-Cola between 1931 to 1964. And yes, there is the mythology that Coca-Cola invented American Santa Claus, but that's not true. It's just the most common image we currently have of Santa. And some scholars attribute the change in Santa's image and his commercial popularity as the actual reason for the increasing cultural importance of Christmas in the United States. Santa Claus as a jolly gift giver was a holiday image both the religious and the non-religious could support and enjoy. So in some ways, the kindness, the warmth, and the generosity of Santa came to represent the idealized spirit of the holiday. Scholar William Waits even argues that Santa played an even greater role than Christianity in the current conception of Christmas in the United States. 
But what does that have to do with the struggle over Christmas today? Basically, Christmas has never been what we idealize it to be. Many Christians do not and still do not celebrate the holiday. Recall that Christmas only became a national holiday in this country in the 19th century, and that was mainly for non-religious cultural reasons. Also, people throughout the centuries have expressed frustrations with the holiday similar to today's criticisms. During colonial America, for instance, celebrants were considered ill-behaved and drunken. And from the beginning of Christmas's popularity in the U.S. during the 1800s, people complained about commercialization, extravagance, and that the holiday was just a display of money. Basically, what I'm saying is we need to keep in mind that Christmas as we know it is a new tradition. It's not centuries old as we like to think it is. And while many people find a religious significance in the holiday, numerous others don't. Christmas, oddly enough, is a holiday full of drama that extends beyond the family dining table. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Well, that ends the first season of Holy Media. Thank you so much to everyone for listening from the beginning when Jeremy and I nerded out over religious films to this month's mini-lecture about Christmas. I'd especially like to thank all of the guests who made Holy Media great. So thanks to Jeremy Fuzzi, Jim Wallace, Casey McGinnis, Sophie Day, and John Howell. It's been a great year, and I'm excited to come back in 2017 with so many more episodes. Holy Media will return in January with a mini-episode about civil religion and the presidential inauguration. Regular, full-length episodes will return in February. And a quick shout-out to my family, who helped me with this episode. Their voices broke up the monotony of me talking, and in honor of being home, this episode's beer pairing comes from the local brewery, Shorts. Check out the website at holymedia.com to learn more. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Holy Media. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at holymedia.com. That's W-H-O-L-Y media.com. There you'll find links to Bruce Forbes' book, articles about Christmas, and images of the Santas drawn by Thomas Nass and Haddon Sundblom. Also, please leave a comment. Conversations are great, and I love feedback. You can also start a conversation about this episode's topic on Twitter. The show Twitter handle is at Holy Media. And thanks to at SPlate1 on Twitter for recommending Holy Media to his followers. I really appreciate the support. As always, you can find the show on SoundCloud, the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you enjoy Holy Media, I ask that you rate and comment about the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Those ratings actually help the show gain an audience and provide me with feedback about what I'm doing well and what I could improve on. If you leave a comment, I'll make sure to thank you on the next show. And lastly, I'd love to get you, the listener, engaged in the creating of the 2017 season. 
So to do this, I'm asking that you submit an episode topic idea to holymedia at gmail.com. No idea is too small or too big. This way, Holy Media can cover issues of religion and media that you actually care about. You can submit your episode ideas and questions to holymedia at gmail.com or use the contact form at holymedia.com. Until 2017, everyone, have a happy new year. And this is Holy Media.